The following Dharma talk was presented at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota, as part of the weekly Dharma series. The speaker is Mark Nunberg, guiding teacher at Common Ground. So this is a real central teaching, sometimes misunderstood, because it often gets taught in terms of really deeper states of concentration, um, these five jhanic factors. Jhana is actually sort of a surprising word, like you, Zen, you've probably heard of Zen Buddhism, Chan was the word in China for that, and in yogic traditions, like some of you I know, like Chris is a yoga teacher, Dhyana, and it's really this word jhana. And jhana just is about, like the simple way to understand jhana is like, what happens to the mind when it really gathers? So every part of the heart-mind is in the service of being present. Because a lot of the times, I mean, we don't really see this directly, but a lot of times the mind's sort of working against itself. Like, there's this tendency and that tendency, and the, the tendencies of the mind aren't in sync around some central value, being aware. But when we do get all the energies, all the tendencies, all the qualities of the mind in sync, around that central value to be present here and now, that movement, that collection or collecting, gathering, unifying, right, that relates to this word jhana. And when that gets developed to some degree, that mind is really unified, absorbed here and now in the present, then that uh, leads to a really deep healing. It's kind of like uh, therapy on steroids. It's not actually the end of practice, even though it's a, it can be a quite profound experience. But the healing that happens, because it feels so good, deeply peaceful, it's sort of, uh, the aftertaste is a lot of self-esteem, but with no pride. It's like, this heart, this mind, is capable of deep peace, feeling really good. And so even when we're back in the day and things are being, you know, we're being triggered by this and triggered by that and agitated by the different, there's this sort of background of well-being that sort of lingers on. And again, this isn't the end of practice, but it's a really important part of spiritual life is to learn how to tap in, learn how to be first interested and then more regularly tap in to this inner well-being. And the inner well-being comes from learning how to gather the energies of the mind around a central, wholesome value, which what is recommended. I mean, there's different central, wholesome values, like to love unconditionally. That would be one way to gather your mind. And we teach that, and we'll cycle through that, you know, on some of the Wednesdays, well, Matthew will lead, uh, have a talk, or... I'll come out, or one of the teachers will come out and give a talk on lo different loving-kindness practices. But now we're just doing it just around being present, like that central value. I, I don't know what's going on in the moment, but I value being open, being receptive, being clearly aware of the way it is. And that will feel good to gather the energy energies of the mind, harmonize the energies of the mind to do that. 
And this is the cheat sheet for doing that, right? These five, you could call them five mental muscles. More gross at the top, more subtle at the bottom. If I don't get through them all tonight, because, you know, we don't have a lot of time, we'll, I'll pick it up next month in March. We'll finish. But you can keep working with this list. I'll go through it quickly first and then spend a little time on each one. So they're called the jhanic factors, but they're really about unifying the heart and mind. We need to be able to connect with the present moment. And you can use thought. And initially, like when we're dissipated and distracted and being pulled in three ways, ten ways, right? Then having a thought, Mark, how's the body? <laughs> you know, like a thought like that. That's a very skillful thought. Oh, the body's like this now. So we can use thought to direct the attention back to the present moment so to support a moment of connecting. And we need a pretty strong force because when the mind's kind of wrapped up, lost in thought, being pulled in different ways, we need a very clear force to say, here, now. And the uh, image that uh, one teacher used is like uh, when, you, when you're building a bridge, like Bob and I drove out today, and we came across the new Stillwater Bridge, which I'm sure you've seen, or some of you have seen this really beautiful bridge. But, you know, to build a bridge like that, the first thing you'd have to do is you've got to put a pillar down in the current, you know, and uh, you don't get the nice sort of span until you get... And connecting is a little bit like that. It's like the mind, it's a more forceful aspect of the mind where the mind is saying, no, no, I want to be present. I want to come back to the breath. I want to feel the body sitting. I want to acknowledge how the heart feels. Right? There are a lot of ways to come back. Hearing, seeing, right? There's basically through the six sense gates, the five physical senses or how's the mind? What's the mood? And, and that sort of launching energy like to connect is putting that pillar down in the middle of the current of everything moving, being drawn in different ways. No, just be in the body. Just be with washing the dishes, feeling the warm water, seeing the suds, feeling the movement. So it's kind of staking our ground in the present moment. That's the connecting energy and in the little cheat sheet here, the way in early Buddhism we talk about these five qualities is each one of these mental capacities deals with one of the regular hindrances, like those habits that hinder full presence. So one of the habits that hinder full presence is being dull and sleepy and heavy, right? And interestingly, and you can check this out, we should check this out for ourselves, making that more substantial effort to connect is energizing. Because, you know, when we're feeling like, oh, there's just too much, I just want to have a drink, or I just want to go to bed, or I just want to space out and watch some TV, because the mind just doesn't, it feels like it's stiff butter. You know, there's, there's no, nothing wieldy about that mind. You know, it doesn't have that kind of fortitude to connect. And we just want to give up. But interestingly, if we inspire the mind to make the effort to connect, 
we start to feel energized. Making effort is energizing. And we wrongly think, no, 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 I need energy to, you know, before I can make effort. It's actually the other way around. I need to make effort to get energized. And we kind of know this, you know, when we're having one of those days where we're just hanging out, we just get, have less and less energy through the day. The more we sort of hang out on the couch, the less energy we have to go do something. But if we just make ourselves go up and wash the dishes or make that phone call we've been avoiding making or, you know, whatever it is, we feel more alive, more energized. So as you experiment with that mental capacity we all have, and we're really, it, it is appropriate to talk about it as a muscle because it will get stronger. It will become more the nature of the mind to be able to make that effort to connect with the present moment. And really notice how enlivening it is. And then that will be inspiring. It's like, oh, that's what the Buddha said. When you make effort, there's energy. Sleepiness, dullness, heaviness dissipates, goes away when we make this wholesome effort to connect. And the last thing to say here about this is, remember that you can use thought you might almost need initially to use a thought to help the attention connect with the present moment. So we, in Buddhism we call that skillful thought because <laughs> we tend to think all thoughts are bad, but all thoughts aren't bad. You know, thoughts that lead to just endless thinking, those thoughts are not very helpful, right? Because we just can proliferate forever about stuff that isn't useful to think about. The thoughts that bring the mind back to the present moment, that's called skillful thinking. Skillful use of thought. Just like we might say, oh, like silently in our own mind, this is being known. Or the body's like this now. Breathing in, experiencing the whole body. There's an infinite number of skillful phrases or thoughts that can stabilize present moment awareness. Let's use them. And when you don't need those thoughts, when you have enough momentum, then drop the thoughts that are supporting the mindful presence because mindful presence doesn't need those thoughts. It's got its own sort of momentum, which brings us to the next one, the sustaining. Vichara is the Pali word. And it's more the receptive because we have skillfully made that more launching effort now we can, in a way, let the momentum, it's just this much more subtle energy of keeping the present moment in mind. And it removes doubt. Because doubt, this is like the unskillful kind of doubt, because obviously there, there is a skillful aspect of doubt, you know, when we're going to kind of withhold judgment until we see more, know more, right? That's not really unskillful, that's really useful kind of doubt. But this is the kind of spinning of the mind. But when we can sustain present moment awareness, then all the questions we think we need to answer sort of fall into the background because the connection, the sustaining, the, you know, the sort of authentic presence, the direct experience, is the answer the mind really wants, like the way it is. I don't need a philosophical answer to that. 
because I'm directly connected in this sustained way with the present moment. So, like, who I am, am I a good person or a bad person? It's like, when I'm just there in the moment, you'll notice that all of these unanswered questions aren't that relevant. Doesn't mean you're not going, those questions aren't going to get answered, like, am I, tomorrow am I going to stay home or am I going to go to this party? You know, you'll find out <laughs> whether you go to the party, you stay home. But, you know, we can be obsessed about these kind of questions in a way that's agitating. So that doubt goes away when we learn how to sustain present moment awareness. And again, the sustaining is this capacity to keep the present moment in mind. So it's really the effort of remembering the present moment, whether we're remembering it in terms of feeling the body sitting, or feeling the body breathing, or feeling the body hearing, or just whatever's predominant moment by moment. But it's like staying in the present moment. So let's, before I go on and briefly mention the last week, which we'll cover more the next time I'm out, but let's just experiment with connecting and sustaining, and we'll use something really simple. So however is comfortable, you can put your, you can hold your hands, you can have your hands in your thigh, but some simple experience of uh, tactile, you know, just a touching with your hand, touching something, whatever that is. So just relax as best we can. And we make that initial effort to connect. And you can use language like touching is like this. And then learning the difference between that next quality, which is sustaining, keeping the touching in mind. the effort of not forgetting. As if nothing else right now at least is important but keeping the touching in mind. to let go of the rest of the world, so to speak, and just know touching is like this. And notice the flow or the movement of that experience of touching. how alive it is with movement. The experience of the hand touching isn't static or one thing. It's more like a river of sensation, a river of experience. And there's some joy in being present in a full, whole way.
And that's the third quality, piti, is the Pali word, joy, rapture. And it removes fear and aversion. And I don't know if you could taste that, but even something, I mean, this is obviously pretty simple, which is a good place to experiment. You can do this several times at home. Of course, it doesn't have to be touch. It could be observing the bird feeder. So it could be your visual experience. It could be hearing tinnitus that Joe was talking about, like just aware that there's this inner buzzing in the, in the mind. So it could be any phenomena whatsoever where the mind is connecting and sustaining. Now you're not trying to make something happen and you're not trying to make something not happen. You're simply connecting and sustaining. And when you sustain with enough continuity and enough integrity, then the mind kind of <laughs> breaks through from its overlord. What's the overlord of our mind? What do you think? Anybody want to guess? It's the concepts that the mind inserts. So like here, I'm in front of the group. So the overlord, that part of the mind that conceptualizes might say something, I'm at Kamagan Retreat Center giving a talk, right? And that thought, and my identification with that thought, can kind of come into the forefront of attention, then I forget I'm actually here and now, right? Because the, and concept, the idea, I'm at the Retreat Center, Mark, the idea is always static. Concepts, ideas are static. But the present moment, reality is not static. Reality is movement. That's how we know we're present. It has a very alive, moving quality to it. It feels real. <laughs> and you know, when we're around somebody who's just in their thoughts about things, or when we ourselves are that person who is just in their thoughts about things, we feel what that feels like, which is a part, Stuck, fixed, <laughs> and then, and then, of course, protecting that because that's all the mind knows in that moment. We, we protect our ideas and our concepts. So when you do it, a little experiment in your sits and at home, whenever you're in an activity, just realize, oh yeah, bring the attention to the present, sustain it, sustain it long enough, so the mind goes from its thought, its attachment or identification to the thought about what's happening, to the activity, the flow, the aliveness of the moment. And that's where you start to experience joy, that pleasure that we were talking about when we did the go-round. The pleasure isn't there until there's some sustained connection. The mind has broken through the overlord of its ideas about things, now remember, ideas about things aren't bad, they're just not meant to be the master. Because our ideas of who I am or what's happening, it's always an abstraction, right? Like when I say I'm at Kamagran's retreat center, that's not the experience of being here right now, right? So if I'm holding, if the mind is holding to that idea, or this is a bad talk, if I'm holding to that idea, I can't be here. So we always, it's always like, what is the mind in allegiance with? My thought 
I have about what's happening or just being present. But in terms of understanding mindful awareness and the practice of mindful awareness, we want to really get interested in that breakthrough moment. And it's subtle and you're experiencing it in all kinds of different ways. You don't get sort of expect like what it's supposed to be. Just connect, learn how to sustain, like keep the present moment in mind, whatever it is. It could be touching, could be hearing, could be seeing, could be a combination of whatever's predominant moment by moment. But we're sustaining present moment awareness. And then the breakthrough is just when the present moment starts to feel very alive and there's that lightness, that buoyancy of joy, piti, rapture. But don't expect fireworks, sometimes fireworks, but it's just a subtle sense of lightness. The heart is light. Joyful interest is another way you could talk about it. But not a contrived, like, I should be joyfully interested. You know, you're not, it's not a forced thing. The mind is just bright, the heart is open. And then you want to notice the pleasure in that. Like, this feels good. This feels right. Is it wrong for me to notice it? No, it's right, it's appropriate to notice it. Because noticing it reinforces it. Like, oh, this is how I should be moving through life as much as possible in this place. Of being in the flow of the moment. Instead of in my... And that being in our thoughts is just a fear response that then becomes a deep habit that we're all infected with. No one, you know, unless somebody is like deeply trained their heart and mind, we all have this habit to be in our thoughts about things. So that's what I would do is really work on those first three. And then the next two I'll just mention briefly and you can read, but ease is the fourth. Because when we're able to keep the joy, that pleasure of being present in mind, then the joy matures into a more resonant ease, ease of the heart, ease of well-being, contentedness. Those are the words we use. Sukha. Interestingly, Pali and Sanskrit, you know, the ancient languages of India, they're Indo-European languages. So, Sukha, what does that sound like to you? Sugar, right? So, because the roots are the same, so it's sweet, <laughs> but it's a more resonant sweetness than the bright joy of rapture. It's a kind of a real relaxed ease of the heart. Oh, well-being. Oh, this is what well-being feels like is like. Okay, and then that, and then what Bob was mentioning earlier—a deeper sense of peace. That's really the fifth, the kagata is the Pali. Again, one-pointedness isn't the best translation. One of my teachers says it's the one point that includes all points. <laughs> I like that even better than one-pointedness. But Ikagata is that sense of inner, like in your subjective experience, you're still seeing, there's still like the activity of the present moment, but there's a real distinct sense of wholeness. So the one point that includes everything means I see the diversity of the moment, you know, all the stuff that's going on, but it all feels here and now. And the unification, the here and now, the stillness of that is more relevant than the diversity of Jordan's there, Chris is there, you know, Patty's over there. But 
what's, what sort of dominates our subjective experience is the totality or the wholeness, the one-pointedness of the present moment. And that's peaceful. Because what agitates the heart is feeling like I have to have an opinion about the diversity of my experience. Every little thing, every little sensation, every little sight, every sound. But when the mind is more aware of the totality of the present, then it has a very peaceful relationship with uh, everything that's in motion. These last two, of course, I mean the whole thing moves from gross to subtle. Don't worry if what I said tonight doesn't all make sense. Because we're talking about a lifetime, and who knows, maybe many lifetimes that we'll be developing this. And this is the time to start. Get interested at home, in the sit, and throughout the day, in connecting, in sustaining, and the good feeling of that sustained present moment awareness. Really see if you can notice, oh yeah, it does feel good. Good in the contrast when we're not present, when we're distracted, when we're pushed around, reacting. Okay, that's what that feels like. And then now I'm more settled, connecting, sustaining. Oh yeah, this feels right. That doesn't feel right. This feels like in the right direction. That doesn't feel like the right direction. And like I said, I'll come back to this for at least one more month. Um, but it's so central that these five mental muscles, you know, we'll be working with, I've been working with for 40 years now in my practice and expect I'll keep doing that for the next whoever, however many are left. <laughs> Good. So nice to be with you all tonight. Have a really nice evening. This talk, like all programs at Common Ground, is offered freely in the spirit of generosity. To learn more about Common Ground and its programs, or if you would like to donate, please visit our website, www.commongroundmeditation.org. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.